Um, so in, in prayer, praying uh, for tonight, and in heart preparation for it, um, the Lord laid a psalm on my heart, um, and then just gave me a few specific words for, I believe, like some hearts in the room. And so I'm just going to, you're just going to come with me, and we're just going to have fun. Okay, um, so I'm going to actually start in Psalms uh, 107, and I'm going to be reading this in the Passion Translation. Passion Translation is a really great translation, in my opinion. Um, but yes, okay, I'm just going to read through it. Um, Psalms 107, we're going to read through verse 32. It says, let everyone give all their praise and thanks to the Lord. Here's why. He's better than anyone could ever imagine. Yes, he's always loving and kind, and his faithful love never ends. So go ahead. Let everyone know it. Tell the world how he broke through and delivered you from the power of darkness and has gathered us together from all over the world. He has set us free to be his very own. Some of us once wandered in the wilderness like desert nomads with no true direction or dwelling place. Starving, thirsting, staggering, we became desperate and filled with despair. Then we cried out, Lord, help us, rescue us. And he did. He led us right into a place of safety and abundance, a suitable city to dwell in. So lift your hands and thank God for his marvelous kindness and for all his miracles of mercy for those he loves. How he satisfies the souls of thirsty ones and fills the hungry with all that is good. Some of us once sat in darkness, living in the dark shadows of death. We were prisoners to our pain, chained to our regrets. For we rebelled against God's word and rejected the wise counsel of God most high. So he humbled us through our circumstances, watching us as we stumbled, with no one there to pick us back up. Our own pain became our, became our punishment. Then we cried out, Lord, help us, rescue us. And he did. His light broke through the darkness and he led us, in, led us out in freedom from death's dark shadow and snapped every one of our chains. So lift your hands and give thanks to God for his marvelous kindness and for his miracles of mercy for those he loves. For he smashed through heavy prison doors and shattered the steel bars that held us back just to set us free. Some of us were such fools bringing on ourselves sorrow and suffering all because of our sins. Sick and feeble, unable to stand the sight of food, we drew near to the gates of death. Then we cried out, Lord, help us, rescue us. And he did. God spoke the words, be healed, and we were healed, delivered from death's door. So lift your hands and give thanks to God for his marvelous kindness and for his miracles of mercy for those he loves. Bring your praise as an offering and your thanks as a sacrifice as you sing your story of miracles with a joyful song. Some of us set sail upon the sea to faraway ports, transporting our goods from ship to shore. We were witnesses of God's power out in the ocean deep. We saw breathtaking wonders upon the high seas. When God spoke, he stirred up a storm, lifting high the waves with hurricane winds. Ships were tossed by swelling sea, rising to the sky, then dropping down to the depths, reeling like drunkards, spinning like tops, everyone at their wits' end until even sailors despaired of life, cringing in terror. Then we cried out, Lord, help us, rescue us. And he did. God stilled the storm, calmed the waves, and he hushed the hurricane winds to only a whisper. We were so relieved, so glad as he guided us safely to harbor in a quiet haven. So lift your hands and give thanks to God for his marvelous kindness and for his miracles of mercy for those he loves. Let's exalt him on high and lift up our praises in public. Let all the people and the leaders of the nation know how great and wonderful is Yahweh, our God. 
Okay, that was a lot of scripture, but I believe scripture has such an anointing on it by itself, so that's great. Um, So there are four different times within this passage that um, the, the psalmist says, then we cried out, Lord, help us rescue us. And he did. And so tonight I want to talk about what happens in between the rescuing, what happens in between the, this is my breakthrough over here. I'm right here. And this is where I've come from. So what happens in the middle? What happens in the tension? What happens when we're walking through things, when we're struggling with things, what do we do in the middle? What should our heart posture be towards the Lord in the middle of these things? So I want to take us um, a little bit through uh, the Israelite story as we're, as we're talking about this, because I believe that Psalm 107 speaks to a lot of what the Israelites walked through, um, throughout Exodus, through Deuteronomy ish. Um, so yes, I'm actually going to work backwards. So we're going to start in Deuteronomy and then we're going to go to numbers and then Exodus. So starting in Deuteronomy two, seven, basically this is where, Um, the Israelites are wandering. And so they're out, they're wandering through the wilderness. And um, in Deuteronomy 2, 7, it says, for the Lord, your God has blessed you in everything you have done. He has watched your every step through this great wilderness. During these 40 years, the Lord, your God has been with you and you have lacked nothing. And so this is kind of towards the, towards the end of their, their wandering. Um, They've been walking through the wilderness for 40 years. And the Lord is telling you, I have provided everything that you have. I have gotten you through these 40 years and here you are. Don't forget that I have blessed you in everything you've done. I've watched you and I've been with you in this season of the wandering, in this season where you're traveling from one place to the next, but you're just sitting in the middle. You're in the tension. You're waiting for the breakthrough. You're waiting for the miracle. You're waiting for the healing, whatever it is, whether it be for yourself or someone else. Um, He's saying, I am with you. I have been with you during all of this time. And you're about to step into the promised land that I have promised you. Then um, in Numbers 14, I'm going to turn there. In Numbers 14, I'm going to read verses 1 through 12. It says in the whole community, so remember we're working backwards. And so we just started, they're almost, they're almost to the promised land. The Lord's reminding them, I've been with you this whole way. So now we're taking a step back. Where were they prior to that? Numbers 14, it says, then the whole community began weeping aloud and they cried all night. Their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died in Egypt or even here in the wilderness, they complained. Why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? Then they plotted among themselves. Let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down on the ground before the whole community of Israel. Two of the men who had explored the land, Joshua and son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, tore their clothing. They said to all the people of Israel, The land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into that land and give it to us. It is a rich land flowing with with milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people of the land. They are only helpless. Pray to us. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. But the whole community began to talk about stoning Joshua and Caleb. Then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to all of the Israelites at the tabernacle. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? 
Will they never believe me, even after all the miraculous signs I have done among them? I will disown them and destroy them with a plague. Then I will make you into a nation greater and mightier than they are. And so here we see the Israelites complaining. So they're all, they're traveling through the wilderness and they're complaining because they think it would actually be better to go back into enslavement than to step forward and to be obedient to what God had called them to do, which is to continue through the wilderness and to make it on the other side of the wilderness to reach the promised land. The Israelites would have rather gone back to being slaves than pressing on to see what God had in store for them. After Moses intercedes for the people, so this takes place um, throughout the rest of uh, chapter 14. After Moses intercedes for the people, God proclaims that their children will see the land that God promised to them, but they will not see it themselves because they've made it clear that they don't want it. It is here that God tells the people that their children will wander in the wilderness for 40 years. And so these people had been wandering in the wilderness just for 40 days. And the Lord at this point says, okay, you don't want to see the promised land. So therefore, I'm, you're not going to see it. If you don't want it, you're not going to get it. But your children will receive it, but they're going to wander through the wilderness for 40 years now um, because of the complaining that you've done after all the things that I have done for you, for you in the way that I have provided for you in this season. And so going a step further back, um, we're going to look in Exodus 32. In Exodus 32, we're going to read verses 1 through 8. This is when the people were worshiping an idol. It says, when the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron. Come on, they said, make us some gods who can lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. So Aaron said, take the gold rings from the ears of your wives and sons and daughters and bring them to me. All the people took the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. Then Aaron took the gold, melted it down, and molded it into the shape of a calf. When the people saw it, they exclaimed, O Israel, these are the gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Aaron saw how excited the people were, so he built an altar in front of the calf. Then he announced, tomorrow will be a festival to the Lord. The people got up early the next morning to sacrifice burnt offerings and peace offerings. After this, they celebrated with feasting and drinking, and they indulged in pagan revelry. The Lord told Moses, Quick, go down the mountain. Your people whom you, whom you brought from the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. How quickly they have turned away from the way I commanded them to live. They have melted down gold and made a calf, and they have bowed down and sacrificed to it. They are saying, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And so in this moment, basically what's taking place in the story right now is Moses goes onto the top of a mountain to meet with God, and the people are still at the bottom of the mountain, and they're waiting for Moses to return. But Moses is taking a hot minute, and they're like, we're impatient. Um, we don't want to wait anymore. Where's our dude Moses gone? Because, like, Moses is the guy that led them out of Egypt. Like, Moses is the boss, okay? And so they're like, what? Like, Moses has left us here, and so now what are we going to do? And so they decide that they're going to create idols because they're sick of waiting. And so it was their impatience that led them to be disobedient to the Lord. They created their own idol to worship because they thought that God was no longer leading them. They thought Moses, who was a prophet of God, was no longer leading them. And so then again, Moses intercedes for the people later in the chapter, and God assures them that their descendants will receive the land. And so, again, they're assured that the descendants will receive the land, which, as we saw before, their children end up going 40 years through the wilderness to receive the land. Okay, 
Now we're going to look at Exodus 14, going back a few more chapters. Is this making sense? I know we're working backwards. Okay. (laughs) Okay. um, In Exodus 14, verses 10 through 22, it says, As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord, and they said to Moses, Why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen here, happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they will charge in after the Israelites. My great glory will be displayed through Pharaoh and his troops, his chariots, and his charioteers. When my glory is displayed through them, all Egypt will see my glory and know that I am the Lord. Then the angel of God, who had been leading the people of Israel, moved to the rear of the camp. The pillar of cloud also moved from the front and stood behind them. The cloud settled between the Egyptian and Israelite camps. As darkness fell, the cloud turned to fire, lighting up the night. But the Egyptians and Israelites did not approach each other all night. Then Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the Lord opened up a path the water with a strong east wind. The wind blew all that night, turning the seabed into dry land. So the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground with walls of water on each side. So with the sea in front of them and their enemies behind them, they panic, but God comes through for them in perfect timing. And so they're looking ahead of them. We're like, ah, here's the sea. We can't cross this. What the heck? (laughs) And they're looking behind them and they're the people that had enslaved them are approaching and they're standing in the middle. And so tonight we're talking about standing in the middle. And in Psalm 107, we see the psalmist standing in the middle where he's saying, Lord, help us, rescue us. And he did. But what happens in between the Lord help us, Lord rescue us, and the, and he did? What, what do we do in the middle of that? And so in the rest of the psalm, we see, we see this, uh, this extravagant praise being talked about. Um, it says, let everyone give all their praise and thanks to the Lord. Here's why he's better than anyone could ever imagine. So go ahead, let everyone know it. Tell the world how he broke through and delivered you from the power of darkness and has gathered us together from all over the world. And it continues on. And after each time that the Lord comes through and rescues the people, the psalmist says, like, we should be expressing extravagant praise because of what is taking place, what has taken place in our lives. Um, but I believe that it, that we should praise before and after the breakthrough. And I believe there is an anointing in worshiping the Lord that brings breakthrough. And so it is in the middle, it is in the tension, it is in the waiting, it is in the questioning, it is in the doubt, it is in the when, when is my breakthrough going to come, when is my miracle going to come, when is my healing going to come, that if we press in and continue to praise the Lord, that's going to usher in breakthrough. Not necessarily because we're worshiping him for the breakthrough, but we're just worshiping him for who he is. So how do we keep in mind that there will be breakthrough? (laughs) We remember, 
Um, the Hebrew verb, the word remember, is written 169 times in the Bible, most often referring to the relationship between God and the Israelites. And so it was very important um, during, especially like throughout the Old Testament, uh, the Lord was constantly telling them, like, remember what the Lord your God has done for you. Remember, remember who he is. Remember how he led you out of Egypt. Remember how he's done all of these things for you and your people. And then the Lord would tell them also, like, pass this on down to your children so they will also remember. And so that's why we have this beautiful book that we have today is because people were writing things down and people were remembering. Um, And so, yes, it is important to remember. We look back and we see what has God done in the past, even the small things, even the, the little affirmations that come from the Lord. When you're believing for something big that you haven't yet seen in the, like, in the physical realm, like here what have you look, what can you look back at even just even the small things like let's say you're facing insecurity and you receive a compliment from a mentor and that like you believe like that was the lord speaking through them in that moment like just the think back on the little things when you're believing for something big um, when you don't think that you have anything to remember, which this, this happens sometimes, um, read the word of God and remember the stories of those who have walked with God before you. And so one thing that I love talking about is the fact that everyone in this, everyone in this, this book that we have, um, we share their DNA because we are part of the body of Christ. And therefore, whatever has happened in this book, whatever has taken place here, it can happen in my life and through my life because it's here, because we are all interconnected, like these people lived forever ago, but we are all interconnected because we have the same father and we, we're just a part of, we just have the same DNA now. Um, not like biologically, but spiritually we have the same DNA. So how can we praise before the breakthrough? Um, So throughout the story of the Israelites that we kind of just walked through, um, the Lord says, let my people go so they can worship me six times. Um, And so, you know, it wasn't the, the Israelites weren't just to be set free to be set free. They were to be set free in order to worship the Lord. And so the Lord was preparing their hearts for this, um, for this great, uh, this great exile, this great um, freedom that they were having, but it was his purpose for them to then turn and worship him out of that, out of that breakthrough. And then also um, in Luke seven, and this is one of my, one of my favorite stories um, in the New Testament. I actually, so I am um, again, I'm a religious studies major, and I took a Christian scripture. Christian scriptures class this past semester, and I go to a public university, and so um, my professors are atheists. They don't believe in the Lord, and they don't have a relationship with God. And so um, I'm reading Christian scriptures was just the New Testament. That's what we were looking at was just the New Testament. And uh, my professor asked me, he said, um, Jesus, he made, the, he made the claim, Jesus never asked to be worshipped. Um, my response is Luke 7. Uh, verses 36 through 50. It says, one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. 
Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. And so he goes through, goes through this story a little bit, and then Jesus continues. And it says, then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love, but a person who has forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said among themselves, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. The woman enters this home with this extravagant um, act of worship, not necessarily to receive anything. She just enters this home and sits at the feet of Jesus and starts weeping and uh, drying his feet with her hair and breaks the alabaster jar on his feet, um, which was an expensive, uh, costly um, perfume. And she just pours herself out on his feet, not to receive anything, not to, not to, have, um, not to have her sins forgiven, um, not to have her faith um, save her. She's just doing it because she knows who Jesus is. And so when my professor made that claim, I said, you have to understand that Jesus didn't ask for it. This woman just did it. Now, when, he's ta- when Jesus is talking to Simon, he's telling Simon the bare minimum. He's like, um, you didn't even do this, but she has done this. You didn't even do this, but she has done this. And so this woman took took the, the, um, the cultural uh, expectation of the time, and she multiplied it tenfold. And so whatever um, was appropriate for the time period, um, this woman did far more than that in order to show her respect, her honor, her love for Jesus in that moment. Um, this act of worship came about because of who Jesus was, not because of what he could do for her, but as a result of this act of worship. Uh, She was forgiven and her faith saved her. Her praise brought her breakthrough, but receiving the breakthrough was not why she was worshiping him. God deserves to be worshiped because he is God. So throughout the whole Israelite story, throughout the psalm, throughout what we just read about worship, um, I want you to know that in the wandering, he is here watching your every step. We read in Deuteronomy 2, 7, where it it talks about how in the middle, um, the Lord is here. The Lord is with you. And so even, I want to get personal for a second because this might not be exactly connecting in your heart and in your mind right now. Um, the, the, the waiting for me, the tension for me was a two year period where, um, I was having extreme depressive episodes, um, intense anxiety and, um, like could not get out of bed, um, on certain days, uh, just because I felt like something was literally weighing on me. It was like a, like, um, um, like a weight on my, on my heart, on my physical body, on my, just on my spirit. And I couldn't, I couldn't get up on certain days. And then also, uh, my anxiety was so bad that I would enter a room full of people and I would feel like I was going to throw up. Like I like physically felt like I cannot be here with people. I am going to vomit. Um, and so it, there was this two year period where I knew that the Lord, 
Um, I knew that the Lord had healing in store for me, but I was in the waiting. I was in this, in this tension of, Lord, I believe that you're going to heal me, but I don't yet see it in the physical realm. Um, and so in talking about this, this is what I'm referring to. And I want to ask you in this moment, what are, what are you waiting for? And it might not be for yourself. I know people that are waiting for something on the behalf of another person. And so let's say it's, it's a friend or it's a family member that maybe doesn't know the Lord or it's someone that you've been, you know, you've been praying for them to be healed and you haven't seen it happen yet. What, um, what is that for you? We all, we all have things. Um, we all have things that we struggle with, things that we walk through. Um, and so if you're in the waiting right now, whether it be for yourself or for another person, think about that as we're talking about this. So in the wondering, in the waiting, he is here watching you every step, watching your every step. He hasn't, he hasn't left you. He's right here. And um, when you cannot see breakthrough happening, don't look back and wish for what, for what once was like the Israelites did. They, um, they looked, they were looking back at their enslavement in Egypt and they were like, oh, we would rather be <laughs> enslaved in Egypt, um, than continue on this hard path. But the path that they were walking on and the, the path that the Lord had them on was going to be worth it in the end because they would see the promised land because they would have the inheritance that the Lord had promised them. The Israelites were so concerned about their present circumstances that it made them wish to be enslaved again. And because of that, they didn't see the land that, the God, that God had promised. Um, their children ended up seeing it after 40 years of walking in the wilderness. Um, so I guess my first question is, do you want to see breakthrough? Um, you know, are you going to stand in the middle and look back, constantly look back and be like, oh, well, it's so much easier <laughs> It's so much easier for me to stand in the, for me to stand in the, um, whether it be secret sin or um, so much easier for me to stand in the, the diagnosis or so much easier for me to stand in what's comfortable um, rather than like taking a step out of it and believing for healing or, you know, believing for freedom or believing for victory. Um, in that. So you can turn back and you can wish for enslavement, or you can press on to see the land that God has for you, the freedom that God has for you, the healing that God has in store for you. And then we looked at um, the next story within the Israelites, um, where they basically, when they were worshiping the golden calf, um, they were not patient in the waiting. Um, they got tired of, of waiting for what was coming. Um, and so they, they took matters into their own hands. They made their own idol to worship. Um, and so we have to be patient in the waiting. And I have such a strong conviction that there is an intimacy with God that we step into as we, as we become desperate for God and waiting brings about that desperation. And there is something beautiful about desperation. I don't know what it is. It's just, it's, there's something really sweet about it. Um, but even in the, even in the New Testament, there's a, um, there's a young man, and it says that he's a religious leader. And uh, religious leaders at the time um, were supposed to be, like, against Jesus. That's kind of what's set up in the New Testament, the Pharisees, the Sadducees. They were known to not like Jesus. And uh, this man, his daughter, um, is dying. And it says he runs to Jesus, and he says, I need you to heal my daughter. And so in this moment— there was desperation on this man's behalf because he was a religious leader. He was not supposed to show any sort of respect or honor or favor or even talking to Jesus other than in a way of mocking him or condemning him. And so he actually asked for Jesus' help, but it took desperation in order for him to get to that point where he asked for healing 
for his daughter and his daughter was healed. Um, she was actually dying and Jesus laughs because he's like, she's just sleeping. Um, but then she's, she is alive. Um, but the thing is it took desperation in order for that to take place. And so, um, we have to be patient in the waiting and allow that to, to let your heart grow closer to the Lord, allow it to bring your heart into a place of desperation. Um, so I, um, another question I have for you is, will you choose to wait or will you turn to an idol to comfort you? Um, so maybe, maybe you're not here. Maybe you're like, okay, yes, I'm going to believe for healing. I'm going to, um, going to believe for freedom. I'm going to believe for victory and whatever I'm walking through. Uh, but maybe you're like, uh, okay, so I'm right here, but it would be easier for me to pick something else up pick something else up. So it's like, maybe I'm not right here anymore. Um, but right now, rather than waiting for the Lord, rather than like continuing to press on and walk, I'm just going to grab something else off the shelf and use that to comfort me, uh, during this time. So will you choose to wait? Will you choose to continue to press on or will you turn to something to comfort you? And with the Israelites being so close to escaping slavery, um, they panicked because they felt smushed. So remember, we're going backwards. And so this is at, uh, this is right before uh, Moses parts the Red Sea. They feel smushed in between all the things that they're afraid of. Um, And so the question is, like, do you trust him to see you through? And do you trust that his timing is going to be perfect? And do you trust that whenever the Lord um, brings about your breakthrough, that um, that it's going to be like he's going to make it worth the waiting? Um, and he's going to show you just how close he was during that entire time. Um, and will you trust that, like in Psalms 107, the Lord will rescue you? You know, we, talk, we talked about how... Um, the psalmist says, um, we cried out to the Lord, rescue us. And he did, like he came through. And so do we have a heart that believes he's going to come through on our behalf? I know that um, during like my time of waiting, it was really difficult. <laughs> um, but I'll, I'll share that a little bit because I think it's important. So I, I decided to step out and believe for healing uh, pretty quickly um, because healing was a new thing that was introduced to me. Um, and this could be, this can be different uh, depending upon your circumstance. It could be for freedom. It could be for somebody else, whatever you're believing for. Um, so I stepped out of like this, this idea of like, oh, the Lord can't do that um, into, okay, the Lord can heal me and I am believing for healing. Um, and it was this, it was a, it was a two-year process um, where I just fervently sought God. Uh, and I said, Lord, I said, I desperately want this. And um, the Lord's response often to me was, do you? Do you want to be healed? Uh, and I was like, yes. And he was like, okay, this is what I need you to do. One, two, three, four, five. I mean, I got a list. I had a list of things that he said, you need to surrender this. This needs to be given up. You need to fix this habit in your life. You need to become more disciplined in this area. And if you do these things, um, it's going to it's going to help you step into healing. Um, and so I had always I had had this idea in my mind that healing was going to be instantaneous. And so were there there were many moments um, at youth group at uh, church camp um, in which like someone would lay hands on me and like for the next week I wouldn't have a depressive episode or I wouldn't feel like I was going to throw up because of anxiety and I'd be like oh my gosh the Lord healed me which was great um, but it took me continuously seeking the Lord it took me being obedient to His heart and what He was telling me to do in order for me to step into what He had for me. Um, the next question, will you remember what he's done in your life and extravagantly worship him for that? 
Um, will you worship him even when you don't see what you're believing for? And will you worship him just for, just for who he is? Um, and so it was, it was during that, that two-year period that I, I took steps of obedience. I gave things up. Um, and so if the, uh, the worship band will come up. Um, the Lord has laid um, two very specific things on my heart um, for this group of people. And um, I want to tell you that um, if you want freedom from these things, you have to be obedient to um, this call. Um, Because the Lord wants you to receive freedom in this area. Um, He wants you to receive healing in this area. But you have to take a step of obedience. And this is is what I walked through um, for for two years was taking steps of obedience. Um, And so... You have to take a step of obedience. And, and one way that I look at healing now is we get to co-labor with the Lord in, in healing. Um, and so whenever, when I say co-labor, I mean like if the Lord tells you to do something, you have to be obedient and, and step in with him and say, okay, God, I want this. And so I'm going to step here with you. I'm going to go here with you. And that's exactly what the Israelites did when they weren't fooling around. Um, they were walking in obedience to the Lord, they were following his cloud, his presence, his Holy Spirit. And so I'm asking you tonight, um, I believe there are, again, two things that the Lord wants to set, maybe just one person, maybe multiple people from, um, and it's the fear of man and a religious spirit. And so the first thing, I, I want to explain these a little bit, and um, fear of man is basically just this idea of what will they think of me? <laughs> if I do this, what will they think of me? And constantly having this, this replay of thought of um, maybe, it's, maybe it's a certain person you can think of. Maybe it's a group of people that are like, oh, what will they think of me? What will my friends think of me if I do this? What will my, what will my youth pastors think of me if I do this? What will, um, what will my teachers think of me if I do this? What will my parents think of me if I do this? And so this constant, um, this replay of what will they think of me? Um, I don't want to disappoint them. I don't want to offend them. What, like, and you're, you're allowing that to direct your thoughts, to direct your action. Um, and so that's one thing that the Lord laid on my heart. And the other thing was a religious spirit, and um, specifically in worship. And so when I think about, like, having a religious spirit in worship, I think, because this is something I walked through, I think of, like, a box around me, like a glass box. And it's like, Lord, I'll raise my hands to you, but this is all you get. Or I'll surrender to you like this, but this is all you get. When, like... My heart as a daughter of the king is to like dance before the Lord. It's to like, to like get a little, you know, we get a, I get a little like, I'm a move. Um, and that's like, that's like a, the Lord has placed like a worshiper's heart in me where I, I enter in the room like, uh, like this woman did in Luke 7 and I pour my oil out and I, I dance before the Lord. And for so long there was this glass box around me where I was like, this is, this is all I can give because literally I can't break out of this, this thing around me. Um, and so that's how I would describe like a religious spirit in the sense of worshiping. Um, but I want you to know that like, there's so much freedom when you're just like, Lord, here I am. And you dance before the Lord and you just get to be who you are. And you get to, you get to move around a little bit and you get to like shake stuff off. I, I believe that in worship, a lot of times the Lord has like broken shackles, but we, there's still like, there's, Okay, so they're broken, but they're still, like, on us. Like, we have to, like, remove them. They're already broken. We're free from them. The, the key has been turned. The lock has been broken. Yet they're just there because 
we're not willing to shake, you know, shake some stuff off. Um, and so those are the two things the Lord laid on my heart. Um, and so basically I'm just going to ask, like, if you struggle with um, a fear of man or if you've dealt with a religious spirit or that's something you've walked through, I'm just going to ask you to come forward so we can pray for you. And I know that's, but the thing is, is like, it's obedience. Um, you know, if like that's something you deal with. Um, if not, that's fine. But if it's something you deal with and you want freedom from that, you know, your heart's going to have to get a little bit desperate. Um, and, you know, part of the thing about the fear of man is like, this is the first step of obedience um, to really break through the fear of man is to say, I don't care what anyone in this room thinks. This is something I deal with, and that's okay. Um, there's, there's no judgment um, in, in my heart. This is something I've, I've walked through both of these things. Um, and so if that's you, I'm going to ask you to come forward. And so we can pray for you.